0: space exploration to be the first means to be a pioneer. Being the first means accomplishing something no one has ever accomplished before There are trails to be blazed there's work to be done and several steps to take. Well, good evening and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and it is great to have you with us. Uh, today. And if you're a guest, we want to say that we're really honored to have you. And today I'm going to preach from a passage of scripture I have never preached on in all my years of preaching. And uh, so if you turn with me to Ma- uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 5, uh, we're going to start in verse 1. It's um, the first and the only recorded death in the New Testament church. That's probably the reason why I've not preached on it. And it's not because somebody died of a natural cause. It's because someone was God struck them down dead because they didn't, well, you'll see in a minute. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, I'm, I'm actually, it's, it's a very interesting passage of scripture. And so I, I, as I was working on this, even this week, one of the things about this passage is, uh, so the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and they basically are struck down because they didn't give everything in an offering. So we're going to take the offering at the end of the service today. and <laughs> I, mean, I don't, you know, there's no easy way of dealing with this, and I, one one pastor, the way he put it was, they lied, they died, and then they fried. And that's not the angle I'm going from. So you can imagine why I haven't preached off this passage. And so as a pastor, my responsibility is to preach the entire counsel of God's word, and uh, and so sometimes that means I'm preaching things that. I'm trying to either bring insight to you on because uh, the Bible says that all of it is applicable for uh, teaching and for correction and for building us up and also even for rebuke sometimes if we need it. Um, but uh, this m- message, this portion of scripture really is not even about giving an offering or generosity. And I almost had the, uh, the tech guys just change, the comm- creative communications guys change the, the title slide from generosity or the generous church, because it has nothing to do with that. But I thought, now I'm going to leave it there, because that's what most of us, when we hear this passage, or we've heard it defined, that's what we think. And I'm going to show you why that's what we think, but that's not what's going on. So Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, now there was a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, and they sold a piece of property, And with his wife's full knowledge, which means she knew everything he was doing, he knew everything she was doing, he kept part back, part of the money from the selling of the property for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. I bet it did. (laughs) All right. Verse 8, then Peter, uh, then about three hours, excuse me, verse 7, three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, because she was getting her hair done or something. And Peter asked her, "Tell me, is this the price that you and I have got for the land?" "Yes," she said, "that is the price." Then Peter said to her, "How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they are going to carry you out also." At that moment she fell down at his feet and she died. The young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church, I imagine it did, and all who heard about these events. Now, when you hear this passage, and you read this just kind of on a cursory reading, uh, you think that the issue is, the surface issue is generosity. It's really what you think. Here's. A husband and a wife, Ananias and Sapphira, they're a part of this New Testament church. God's doing great things. But they come and they are bringing their offering and, and they had this piece of property. They sell it for a certain price. They only give a certain piece back to the church and they go on. And, and, and because of that, Peter confronts them, him and her, in two separate uh, times. And wow, why did they die? Because you have to understand, in the Old Testament, this kind of stuff happened all the time. In the Old Testament, God would, um, there was no grace. It was just the law. And so God would strike people down. The the, the ground would open up, up and swallow people whole. I mean, there are some fantastic, crazy stories in the Old Testament of how God dealt very severely, very swiftly, no question. But in the New Testament... After Jesus Christ comes, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross for our sin, is rose risen from the grave, and, and, and ascends to the Father, the right hand of the Father, and the book of Acts begins to ensue, you don't see that anymore. Matter of fact, the only place in Scripture where someone dies like this is right here. After grace, after, after there is a dispensation of grace, if you would, happens and occurs, the only time someone dies for sin physically is right here so is it because they didn't give in the offering is it because they didn't give enough in the offering yes no i'm just teasing it's not is is it right because it, you read and you just think ah oh, they didn't give everything and if you don't give everything god can kill you too i remember growing up in church and you hear this they don't teach us at vbs Right for for obvious reasons. But you would hear this passage occasionally and they would tie it to generosity. You they would tie it to offering, they would tie and it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with money, it has nothing to do with generosity, it has nothing to do with giving to God at all. Nothing. The real issue here is hypocrisy. The issue is, is hypocrisy. Ananias and Sapphira appeared or wanted everybody to think that they were generous people, but actually they were hypocrites. And what's the cause of hypocrisy? Very simple. Pride and greed. Pride and greed. Pride, I want everybody to think that I'm something that I'm not. And greed, I want all that I can possibly get for myself. It's the antithesis, actually, of Generosity. Generosity has nothing to do about me. Generosity has everything to do about just completely being selfless, not prideful. It has nothing to do with greed or the accumulation of things. It has everything to do with giving everything you can away. So, what's interesting is that chapter 5 verse 1 starts with this conjunction, but. Now, here's what you have to remember about scripture. The Bible you hold in your hand is not the original document. So when Luke was writing the gospel, not the gospel, excuse me, when he's writing this book of Acts, there are no verse breaks or chapter breaks that you have, meaning that it fluidly flowed from chapter 4 right into chapter 5. There's not a chapter break between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Well, who put that? Scholars, trying to organize scripture so it would be an easy way for us to be able to find Particular reference points all throughout the Bible. Could you imagine trying to say, hey, everybody, I want you to turn in, in in your Bible. So there's hundreds of pages, thousands of pages, if you have maps and you have concordances and everything else. And I want and, and everybody has a different Bible. And I want you to turn, and we're going to go back in the Old Testament where there's a story about David, and then David is, is about to kill Goliath, and everybody's like, where was I mean, there's no way you would find that. But what scholars have done is they've gone in and put chapter breaks and verse breaks, and they've been able to organize. So what that means is that the chapter breaks and the verse breaks are not inspired. They're just there to help you reference. It's just a reference system. So honestly, one of the things we had to do in my undergraduate was we were given the book of Acts, and we were not able to. It was was, uh, Terry Bleak was our professor. I I think he had a doctorate at that point in time, but Dr. Bleak had an MDiv, and he he basically gave us the book of Acts. unbroken, no, no chapters, no verse breaks, no anything. It says, here, I want you to read this yourself, and I want you to get alone, and I want you to put the chapter breaks in. I want you to put the verse breaks in. I want you to put it, and I want you to be able to defend it in front of the class of why you put it where you put it. It's kind of an interesting concept. But when you do that, you begin to do things like you notice at the end of chapter 4 really goes with chapter 5. Because that but means that there's something that's happening. There's something that, that, that's preceded this. And so there's this comparison contrast, really, in chapter 4 of what it means to be generous with the hypocrisy that we see in chapter 5. I just wanted to show you this. Chapter 4, if you, if you look at chapter 4, you'll notice that there's a guy named Barnabas who is known for his kindness and his generosity. He'll be someone that, that the New Testament church, God will greatly use. And he's known for how his, his generosity. And then, and then, it be, chapter five begins with this word, but, and it's comparing it to Ananias and Sapphira to this person, Barnabas. L- look at it in Acts chapter four. It gives us this picture of generosity in verse twenty. Excuse me, verse thirty-two. And all the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. That's the mindset that's going on. This is why Ananias and Sapphira give everything. Okay. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to, to, to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. So the, those that were ministering were really anointed by the Holy Spirit, and there was a big power that was going on there. 34, there were no needy persons among them. Why? For from time to time, those who owned land, houses, sold them, and they brought the money from the sales. And again, it's not required that they do this. This is just what's happening. They're being moved on by the Holy Spirit to give this. And they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was attributed to everyone who had need. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, verse 37, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Then chapter 5 kicks in, verse 1, and says, But Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of property, and they sold it for a full amount, but then they only gave part, but they acted like that they gave full You see the contrast? You see what's going on? What Luke's showing you here is in the middle of what God's doing in this New Testament church, there is this extreme amount of generosity. And he gives us this illustration of just one of the people, Barnabas, who God used in this spirit of generosity. What what does it mean to give generously? Well, Or or what what is generosity? What's a picture of generosity that we see here? Well, first of all, Barnabas gave generously. So, So this picture of generosity is generously. Barnabas gave generously. He gave all the proceeds of, of, of the sale of his land. He didn't give some. He didn't give a part. He gave everything. Did the Bible require that? No. Did the apostles require that? No. Did Jesus require that? No. Did the Old Testament law require that? No. He just, in the spirit of what, what was going on, gave everything. And I'll tell you this. There'll be very few times in the life of a Christ follower, where there will be times where God will speak to you and instruct you to give with that level of generosity. And honestly, it's really a sign of spiritual maturity in a lot of ways because there's nothing wrong with having things. There's just nothing wrong with things having you. There's nothing wrong with where you live or how big your house is. I saw a thing. It's, actually, I don't have time to go into it. This is, I have random thoughts that go through my mind occasionally when I'm preaching. Okay, so this is it. But Dave Ramsey gives a discourse or a response on his house and how someone felt like it was not Christ-like. Really? Who died and made you God? Seriously. Um, I, anyhow, he owes no debt on it. Whatever. Go on. You don't, you don't get it. And haters are going to hate, right? The deep theologians, Taylor Swift. I was playing that in my car on my way in today. So I'm just saying, it, 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 this is a deal. But, but generosity, there are going to be times in your life that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Because if you're going to give everything, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's not a preacher or a pastor. You'll never do that under duress. High capacity people that have the ability to do that are never going to be manipulated. People that, that work, work paycheck to paycheck, those are people that are easily manipulated. But people that have the ability to go out and sell a large sum of property and give generously, uh, they're not manipulated people. They, don't, they didn't get it that way. They're not going to give it away that way. But when God speaks, they do. And that's what we see in Barnabas. We also see this picture of generosity that he gave earnestly, he gave for the right reasons. He didn't give for credit. He didn't give as a show. He gave because the needs of the people in the congregation would be met. And when you give above and beyond tithe, that's what you should be doing. You should be giving so that, so that a vision that you hear from a missionary is fulfilled, or that a need is met there from time to time there are people that will contact me and say, hey uh, I, I came in contact with this amount of money or I sold this or we did this and 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 I know pastor that i 'm supposed to tithe and I, and I am tithing, but this is above and beyond. I want to do something i I want to." Uh, I want to buy a single mom a car, or I need to know if there's a need like this that needs to be met. I was praying, and I really felt like this was what was happening in missions. And honestly, what I do with stuff like that is I just say, hey, you know, this church can either serve as a clearinghouse to try to help you if you want to remain anonymous, or I'll just connect you as a donor to a need, and you can go from there. You don't need me. I'm just going to tell you, though, I know where there are some needs. I know where there are some opportunities to give. I know where there are some missionary opportunities that you could be giving to that could really change a situation. That's what Barnabas was doing. And the third picture that we see here, part of this picture of generosity, is that he gave honestly. He gave with sincerity. He had no motivations. He wasn't trying to deceive anyone. He wasn't trying to grandstand. He was just doing what God asked him to do. And so when you give with generosity, you give generously, you give earnestly, you give honestly, that's totally the opposite of what we see with Ananias and Sapphira in chapter 5. If you'll turn back to there, chapter 5, you'll see this. They wanted to come across like they were generous, but they were not. They wanted to come across like they were Barnabas, but they were not. They wanted to act like they were earnest, but they were not. They wanted to appear to be honest, but they were everything but. And and honestly what they were, they were hypocrites. And the word hypocrite comes from the the world of Greek drama where the actor who is the hypocrite is the one who pretends to be someone in the drama that they're not. Jesus called the religious leaders of his day hypocrites. He, He loved the worst of sinners. But if you see in the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you see that Jesus goes like ballistic when it comes to hypocrisy. He goes just haywire when it comes to someone acting like that they're something that they're not, especially when they stand in judgment. Let me let me help you with this. Hypocrisy is not about being imperfect. Hypocrisy is being imperfect and knowing that you're imperfect but portraying yourself as being perfect. There's a difference. Nobody, listen, none of us are going to be able to measure up to Jesus. None of us are going to be perfect. Even when I'm preparing this message, I thought to myself, why have I never preached on this? Because good grief, folks. Do you know how hard it is to live the Bible? Sure you do. That's exactly what you're trying to do. Now stand in front of hundreds of people in each weekend service and preach it and proclaim it like you own it. The last thing a preacher wants to preach on is Hypocrisy. Because I know how jacked up I am I know that I'm a sinner that needs grace just like you do I know that I'm imperfect You know what I'm saying? My wife's saying a big amen right now in the front row I'm just telling you And so I'm just going to be honest with you But that's not hypocrisy Hypocrisy is someone who acts Like their stuff doesn't stink It's like someone who acts Like they walk on water Like they can turn water into wine Like they are perfect And they appear to people that struggle Like they're above them and they try to promote something that they're not, that's hypocrisy. Imperfection, we're all in that line. Messed up, we're all in that line. Sinners, we're all in that line. "Mm, Don't shut me down while I'm preaching good, right? So so I don't want you to misunderstand this, that being imperfect, being someone who struggles, being a, a person that's on that journey that's following Jesus, we all deal with that. Peter, who's having to address this issue, Just weeks before this, crashes and burns in the garden when a small 9, 10, 11-year-old girl accuses him to be a follower of Jesus and he curses her, curses the situation, and rejects Jesus and leaves? No. The bottom line is Jesus always got upset with this particular sin and hated it because it misguides people away from God. That's the problem with it, is that when we don't own our own stuff, we lead people away from God. What do you mean by that, Aaron? Here's what I mean by that. If I act like I'm something that I'm not, okay, let me put it like this. If I act like my wife and I never fight, that I never get upset, uh, that I'm always perfect, that the angels wake me up every morning, and, and I never have a bad day, I never lose it on anybody. I never have to apologize to anybody. I know everything. I'm a walking, stinking, biblical encyclopedia. And the worst thing that I'm ever going to do is go, oh darn, if I slam my finger with a hammer. (laughs) But isn't that how ministry and people and Christians were portrayed just a few decades ago? And what happens is, is life happens. And we're either going to own it we're just going to be a player. And the reality is, is that hypocrisy is when I act like I don't have problems. I don't have issues. I don't have struggles. At the same time, you don't want me to come up here every week and, and air my dirty laundry. You don't want to talk about how, like, Tammy ru- ran me out of the house with a knife and I was yelling at her and <laughs> had to call the cops. <laughs> Channel 4 TMJ was there. With a chopper going overhead. You don't need to hear all that. You don't need to hear how the deacon slashed my tires after the board meeting this past week. You don't need to know that. Right? Or that I was at Potawatomi just trying to pay the rent. You don't need to know my struggles. You understand? And if you're a guest, you're probably going, Dear God, where are the exits? Like, is this guy really this jacked up? Yes, I am. That's hypocrisy. Acting like you're something that you're not. We're all imperfect. And I jokingly, and I am joking when I say this, but I, if I haven't offended you, see me after the service and we'll get it over with. Because I'm going to do something wrong. I'm not perfect. Does that make sense? So are you. The church was perfect till you showed up, right? That's what we say. No, we're all imperfect, right? We, we all have issues. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having issues, but acting like you don't. That's the issue. Barnabas knew he had issues, but with humility, he gave generously. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to put a show on for everybody. I just want you to look at this and, and back, in, it, it defines hypocrisy in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, it's a visual. They're putting on this lovely front in order to conceal the sin of their own lives. Their sin was not that they didn't give everything to the church. Their sin was that they were trying to impress everyone with a higher level of spirituality and commitment than what they actually had. That was their sin. Their sin was that they were trying to impress everyone with a higher level of spirituality and commitment than they actually had. That has nothing to do with giving. That has to do with here. You mean you're going to come into church and you're going to tell me how bad I am when you're doing this? You mean you're going to come into church and you're going to live like the devil through the week and then you're going to come in and lift your hands to a holy God and act like everything's fine? You mean you're going to to you're, you mean you're going to come in and you're going to condescend or judge me when the truth of the matter is you're not doing this yourself? That's the hypocrisy. Verses 3 and 4 show this hypocrisy, how it was detected. They show the detection of this hypocrisy. It's very interesting. I want to read this for you again in verse 3. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money that you've received for the land? Verse 4, didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? Which means didn't you have a choice of what you did with it? what you what made you think of doing such a thing have you not just you've not just lied to humans but to god listen hypocrisy is going to come to light in your life and in my life this is not something to play with i'm not talking about your struggles and your imperfections And I hope you understand the difference. And if you don't, I'll be in the lobby afterwards, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. Or you can email me, and I'll I'll be happy. If I can't get to all the emails, I'll have some of the staff guys and gals help me. But the reality is, I'm not talking about imperfection. I'm not talking about struggles. I'm talking about acting like you are something that you are not. Acting like you're a follower of Jesus Christ when you're actually not. Acting like that, you know, I see people do this as a pastor. They don't give anything of their time, or their talent, or their treasure. But, then, but they want to stroll around and, tell, and, and pay, be an armchair quarterback and talk about how the church should conduct their business. That's hypocrisy. Woo, it's getting quiet up in here. It's hypocrisy for the only time that you open your Bible is when you come to church on Sunday. It's hypocrisy when the only time that you live this out is when you're in front of other people. It's hypocrisy. Just own your own stuff. Own your own mess. Own your own depravity. Listen, we all struggle. We all have temptations. That's not the issue. The issue is, is do I own it? That's the issue. And I understand church should be a place where we should be able to confess our faults one to another. But instead, we don't. We kind of want to give God the Heisman. We want to kind of just kind of put on a plastic mask and, and a smile and act like everything's okay. And it's not. See, I want you to understand, there was a right of private ownership that Ananias had and Sapphira had. They had a right to that property. They did not have to give any or all of it or some of it at all to the church. There was no requirement Now what we read preceding is this was beginning to happen. So people in the church were beginning to do this and there was this extreme generosity because when God begins to move the Holy Spirit begins to speak and we began to follow and listen. But they wanted to act like they were doing something that they were not. They wanted to act like they were generous when in actuality they were about as stingy as all get out. So this is not a message about things. I just want to say that because I think it's important to understand that. Materialism typically begins where your income ends. If you make 30 grand a year, you look at someone who makes 100,000, you go, that's materialism. Someone makes 100,000 a year goes, no, 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 no. I don't live a materialistic lifestyle. Look at the guy making a half million, that's materialism. The guy making a half million goes, no, 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 no. Look at the guy making five million a year. It's a whole nother level. Materialism is not about, it's not a, a type of car. It's not an address. It, it, it's, it's not a label, it's not about how much money you have, it, it's about, materialism is an obsession with things. Some of the most materialistic people I know are not people that have a lot, they're people that don't, and they're envious or they're jealous of somebody else because of what they have and what they don't. It's a heart issue. And I want you to understand that, because I think this passage has been mistreated in a way to say, you better give it all. I wish it said that. It made my, my taking up offerings a whole lot easier. Hey, if you don't give today, you're going to turn, you're going to burn. You're going to die, you're going to lie, then you're going to fry. If you don't want that to happen, put it in the offering, right? We need something that crinkles, not something that jingles. Amen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's not, that's not what it says. It has nothing to do with money. So whether you're down and out or you're up and over, whether you don't know where your next meal's coming for, from, or you are your net worth is eight nine figures, it doesn't matter. The reality has nothing to do with that. That's between you and God. That's not even my business as the pastor. Do you understand that? That's your business, Mark. You need to be at every service, man. Chris, we need to get him like a we're gonna get a Mark track going on right there. Wow, that makes me feel good about myself. I'm gonna have extra. I'm gonna have some extra ice cream tonight, babe. All right. The same thing I want you to see here is that there's spiritual warfare that's going on. There's a spiritual issue with this. This isn't just fronting people. This is fronting God. This isn't just about you and I. This is about Him. And He's making a statement with this. We don't wrestle against, you with, against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against principalities and rulers of darkness and everything that exalts itself for the name and the power of the glory of God. What that means is, is that when you come here and we come together, this is serious. Following Jesus is serious. This isn't an upgrade like power windows or heated seats. This is serious. This is your life. It deter- it, it 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 should demand your attention. Church and coming together is not something that we just do when we don't have anything else to do. Giving in an offering, giving of our time, serving in an area of ministry is not something we just do flippantly or we go, I don't feel like it, so I'm going to call in. This is our reasonable act of worship unto a holy God. And and the reality is, is when we play games with that, there's a spiritual reality that's happening. And what happened in this particular situation is that spiritual reality took on a physical dimension called death and it got everybody's attention. And I want you to understand this too. The sin, what Peter's saying, is always against God. Your actions aren't against me. Well, I don't like the church. I don't like you. Great, stand in line and get a number. There's a number of people that feel that way. But you're not speaking against me. You're not railing on my business. I don't own the church. This isn't a privately held company or publicly traded stock. This is the church. This is the bride of Christ that you're talking about. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Well, that's not what you said. The, the, the reality is, is that when there's this type of interaction, it's between you and God. That's just why when we take an offering at Life Church, I always go, hey, man, the tithe belongs to the Lord. But this offering for missions, or this offering for this uh, opportunity, or for building Heart for the House, and we built this facility here at the Germantown Campus, that's between you and God. You don't answer to me for that. Yes. Do, you, do you understand? And so the deal is, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that, God will handle that between you and Him. Yes. And, and that should may, may make you feel a little bit like, well, that makes me feel uncomfortable, Pastor. Well, I, I didn't write the book. I don't get that editorial privilege. I'm just telling you what it says. But when you don't do what God asks you to do, that's not against me. That's not against the staff. That's not against somebody else in this room. That's between you and God. But make no mistake. Hypocrisy will be disciplined. And the discipline doesn't come from one man. The discipline comes from God. Whether it's you or it's me. See? As you read verses 5 through 10 and you see the death of Ananias and Sapphira, this teaches that God is not indifferent to the sin of his people. It, it catches our attention and shows us hey, God is still a judge, but the, he judges out of love, not out of anger. He judges in order to wake us up, he judges in order to teach us, and his judgment will always begin with the church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has now come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will we be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That's why God struck them down dead. It had nothing to do with generosity or the lack thereof. It had everything to do with how they were conducting them in front of other people who were looking at the church. Because the front was not against man, against Peter, against those that were in need. The affront was people that were posing like they were something that they were not, that they were acting that they were something that they weren't. They were acting as though they were generous people when the reality was they were deceitfully, intentfully deceiving God's people. And God goes, enough? And you know the scariest part about this? And I don't mean to, like, But this happened after Jesus died on the cross. This is the only, in the Old Testament, God struck down people for all kinds of stuff. I mean, all kinds of stuff happened. The New Testament, only one place, here. Someone lying in church, someone being hypocritical in church, someone acting like they were something that they weren't in church, and God did it in front of everybody, what, to get their attention, for God to say, we're not playing games here, this is not just some do what you want to do, this is not something that's like, this is my church, and that my judgment will reign, and I'm a gracious God, but I'm also a righteous God. And that my righteousness demands something, and I will not let you wipe your feet off on the grace that my one and only Son paid for. And so, so no, no, but I want you to understand this. It, this is important for all of us, because every one of us, myself included, have done that. If you want to really be honest with yourself, there is a time. Maybe you're dealing with something right now that you're acting like there's something that you're not. And it's easy to clap our hands and say, that's right, preacher, preach, and, and get on with your preach and do all that. But at the end of the day, let's look at ourselves and go, oh, God, is there something in me? that I'm acting in such a way, that I'm doing something in such a way, that that, that you would have to judge me in such a way that what's done in darkness, what's done in secret, what I thought no one else was going to know is going to be brought forth to light. That shouldn't make us power up. That should make us drop to our knees and say, oh, God, like Isaiah created, like like Isaiah said, oh, God, You, you know, Woe is to me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen you, the King of glory. Take the tongs and take the hot coils from off the altar and apply them to my lips, that my mouth may be pure." what David said when Nathan the prophet came and said, you're that man. And, and, and Psalm 51 said, said that David dropped to his deeds and said, oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Donald Stamps, who wrote the notes and the commentary on the Fire Bible, the Full Life Study Bible, said this about this. The deaths reveal God's hatred for all deceit, lying, and dishonesty in the church. To engage in this type of hypocrisy means using the shed blood of Jesus Christ to exalt and glorify your own self in front of other people. Hypocrisy disregards the purpose of Jesus' death. It indicates the absence of the fear of the Lord, which Proverbs 1, 7 7 says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And it respect and the honor of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it merits God's Righteous judgment. Acts five one, I want to end with this. And so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Without a proper fear of God and his wrath against sin, God's people would soon return to their ungodly ways of the world and cease to experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and be cut off from the grace which was paid for by Jesus Christ. The Bible says from verse 11 that the church didn't run away from God but they ran to God. They began to honestly evaluate what God wanted from them and where they were spiritually. And If you read verses 14, 15, and 16 you'll see that the church just went on with almost without a beat because the end result was restoration. And the restoration was so great that the power continued to manifest itself through the church. And the church continued to manifest itself in the world. And God was glorified. And the church continued on. Because God always wants the local church to be great. Because when the local church is great, there's great unity, there's great power there's great care there's great honesty nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work and as you read those opening chapters of the book of acts you see this incredible story of the birth of the new testament church and people are coming to faith in christ and lives are being healed people's needs are being met because nothing works like the local church works and a local church works the way a local church is designed to work. But Satan is the author of confusion. He will steal, kill, and destroy and he slithers his way in and he rears his ugly head and he lies to Ananias and Sapphira and says to them, You don't really have to give everything. I mean, just act like it. But Who's going to know? It's the same sin, Garden of Eden. God didn't really mean you couldn't eat of this tree. I mean, really? It's the same sin of today. Is it really that big of a deal? Is it really that important? Is it really that way? Maybe that's just Pastor Aaron's take on it. Maybe that's just... And so we, we find a church until we basically find a voice, it's like tuning in a radio, till we find a voice to say what we want them to say. Isn't that what the Bible says in the last days? There will be itching ears. People will be looking to hear what they want to hear. And we'll turn away from the truth. It's what Romans 1.18 says, that we suppress the truth of God in our own wickedness. God will always build His church. This is an illustration to us to always be honest before God with each other. Doesn't mean you have to air your dirty laundry. Doesn't mean, look, I'm not your priest. <laughs> you don't need to confess it to me. I can't do anything with it. But James does say that there is power in confession. That forgiveness comes from confessing your sins to God. He's the only one that can, can forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Healing will come in your life when you confess your sins one to another. That's different. Healing means if you want to get over whatever, you, whatever is, is holding you back, if you want to get over whatever sin is keeping you back, if you want to, to make that right, yes, first go to God and ask him to forgive you, and he was faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But then find a brother or a sister in Christ. If you're a man, find another man. If you're a lady, find another lady. And go to someone that you can trust, that will walk alongside you and say, I'm struggling with, I'm failing at, I'm involved in, here's what I did. Because we're all struggling with something. We're all dealing with something. None of us are perfect. That's not the sin. The sin is... Is, is of, of this particular instance is when we act like we're not and we're better than everyone else and we're trying to put on an air that we are something. And the only person that knows that is you until God reveals it.